of Veriformin's been extinct since the Cretaceous period. I mean, this thing is a hundred percent. Come on. It's a dinosaur. Uh -huh. <laughs> you did. You crazy son of a bitch, you did. Look at this terrible little book on it. Cold-bloodedness, it doesn't apply. They're totally wrong. This is a warm-bodied creature. This thing doesn't live in a swamp. This thing's got, what, a 25, 27-foot neck? A brachiosaur on 30. The T-Rex is 32 miles an hour. T-Rex? Mm-hmm. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Wow. Put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant. My dear Dr. Sattler. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to the Mad Cat Movie Review Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm CL. I'm Derek. And we're back with episode five. Today we'll be reviewing 1993's Jurassic Park. What was it like going back and <laughs> looking at Jurassic Park? I'll just go ahead and lead with it, man. It was hard for me to watch it this time around. And it it started to bring back memories of all my friends in, in elementary school having like the little Jurassic Park lunch boxes and all that stuff. And me never really caring about any of that. I didn't want any of the merchandise. I, I wasn't running around here talking about, oh, this dinosaur was cool. That one was cool. I really didn't give two you know what's about it, you know, and watching it the second time, it kind of reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. So that, that's my initial impression. <laughs> 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 So before you watched it again this week, you had only watched it one time before? Yep. Wow. Okay. Um, you know what? Derek, you you and me kind of vibe a little, little bit on that because, you know, when when I was growing up, I really did not have the same attachment to this movie. It was a nice movie, 
And then I kind of just kept it moving after that. It never was anything for me to sink my teeth in. I didn't have the action figures, lunchbox, like none of that. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just wasn't for me. I will say watching this movie again was a little hard. Mm. You know, it was, it, it, it definitely is a big screen movie. I will say that. So I can appreciate when I'm watching the movie, I can tell like this is actually much more engaging on like an 80 inch screen than it is on my 24 inch here in the room. But saying that, it just ain't do a whole lot for me. It just wasn't a whole lot there, bro. It was just like, okay. And that might just be my 2020 eyes because the graphics have gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. But it just it just wasn't doing it for me, man. And, you know, I'm going to just say this real quick. I, I, I was on the fence of whether or not I was going to say it. But, you know, white people really love to bring things back. We not too much of bringing things back. We be trying to push things forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this goes into their whole ethos of, like, bringing things back from the past. And then it might terribly go wrong. I personally enjoyed the movie. I wasn't so concerned with people outside of the movie with the dinosaur toys and whatnot. Yeah, man, I'm, that, I'm locked up with you, rest. Like outside of the movie itself, like the I guess you could say like the apparatus, the fandom, the energy around it is just much more greater for others than it was for us. It seems mm-hmm. like that's that's across the board. Well, I could say I I probably enjoyed it. In theater, I can't go back to my my exact thinking back then when it came out, but I probably enjoyed it in theaters. But it wasn't something where I was like, I got to go home and tell everybody about the, this cool thing that I just saw, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't really have anything to do with reactions or anything like that. It just nothing spoke to me. It could be back to that thing that I I think I talked about in our first episode where I was like, before I got to college, really. I didn't really watch many movies that didn't have black people in them. Yeah. You know, no representation. Like that could be it. And I just don't mm-hmm. know it. You know I mean? Cause what they had Samuel Sam Jackson, Jackson had a bit part and you had the first dude who died in the movie three minutes and 30 seconds in. Cause I timed it. <laughs> we <laughs> going to talk like, about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh man. Jurassic Park was released on June 11th, 1993. Made on a $63 million budget, but the movie made over $1 billion at the box office. Yeah, at the time of its release, it ultimately became the highest grossing film of all time. It surpassed director Steven Spielberg's previous record that he set when he made the film E.T. Extraterrestrial. Jurassic Park was eventually passed on the list five years later by Titanic. One thing that I found out in my research is that the current top 40 grossing movies of all time, the majority of them are made between 2003 and 2019. Like the only movies on the top 40 right now that are before that time period are Titanic, which is at number three right now, and Jurassic Park, which is number 40. Avatar, you know, the movie with the blue people, it passed Titanic in 2009. And then Avengers Endgame, which is the current number one, passed Avatar in 2019. 
Jurassic Park, four sequels since this movie was released. The Lost World in 1997, Jurassic Park 3 in 2001, Jurassic World in 2015, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in 2018, and we got a fifth sequel coming up, supposed to be in 2021, Jurassic World Dominion, but hey, with the COVID out here, you never know. I want to get into the Jurassic Park book and do some comparisons. Reason being is because I think there's a lot of interesting things in the book that may have made this movie even better. So mm-hmm. before I jump into that, paleontologists Alan Grant and Ali Sattler and mathematician Ian Malcolm are among a select group of chosen individuals to tour an island theme park populated by dinosaurs created by prehistoric DNA. While the park's mastermind billionaire John Hammond assures everyone that the facility is safe, they find out otherwise when various predators break free and start eating them up, which <laughs> is <laughs> how the movie starts. <laughs> so before we get into the start of the movie, the score of Jurassic Park It's kind of up there, in my opinion. The score was composed by John Williams. If you're not familiar with the name John Williams, John Williams also made scores for Star Wars, Jaws, Home Alone, E.T., Indiana Jones, Superman, and many, many more. So what were your thoughts on the music in this movie? And what's a movie score that most sticks out for you? So before I go deep into the actual score, like everybody here is a early 2000s hip-hop mixtape fan yes yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so when you hear the jurassic park theme what's the first thing that y'all think of because i know what it is for me because it's not jurassic park really it's not that's how much of a rap fan i am now if you don't remember in the early 2000s we had this little show on bet called 106 and park oh yeah and 106 and park used to have this thing every Friday called Freestyle, Freestyle Friday. Friday. And there was a guy who was the first ever champion to get retired. His name was Poster Boy. I remember Poster Boy. Yeah. Poster Boy has no tracks that have ever charted or ever been famous. But he does have one freestyle that everybody from that era remembers. And it's the Jurassic Harlem Freestyle on a DJ Clue mixtape. Can't really tell you what year it came out. Just know it was early 2000s before everything got legit. But that thing sticks in my head every time because after he did it, there was like 100,000 freestyles on the beat. Mm. So it was like you're on the Jurassic Harlem poster boy freestyle beat. So every time I hear this music, that's where my mind goes. And it's, it's, a, it's a little weird. And I was trying to explain that to my girls. Like, I, I don't even think about this movie when I hear that music because it's the first part. It's the sample. I'm just sitting in the coop, bumping J to the Izzo. Going up the branch and I'm trying to get the drizzle. You know, straight out the gate, 20 for the shizzle. Drop a hundred G's and Jacob for the glizzo. I'm wild like the men may sitting on that prizzo. And see the same dude from Freestyle Friday for shizzo. Negro, 20s on my bicycle. I'm the second coming cocksucker, I'm official. 16s is hot from the mouth for the pistol. Keep the silence up on my gun sword whistle. Holla at your boy if you want your song tighter. I'm the best new artist and the best songwriter. Don't care, you ghetto or sophisticated. 
from the east to the west, I'm anticipated. Play your part for the nine, come out. Niggas is cool, they be nice around the time shine come out. I was a regular nigga before I bounced to stardom. I'm the reason all the tourists bounce to Harlem. So it gotta be poster, live la vida loca. Money, hoes, cars, chocha. My see the vibe and she run right to it. All she get is hard dick and some white fluid. BET put me out for real. The first nigga who ripped the basement without a deal. Let's go. Yeah. Change the menu on this one, you know, turn yeah. the page, put it in fifth gear, so everybody listening can ride with me. My name is Poster, Poster, I'm a rider, similar to Destiny Child, I'm a survivor, jumping the fire, Troy, the designated driver, rolling, sticky, icky, and easy rider, still on a block, making a stack, ten hollows in the nine, keep eight in the map, and you know Hank taking the gag. The cops pull us over, the chauffeur is taking a rap. We gangster, nigga, I don't run to the south. My 16s move the crowd from the gun to the mouth. Poster, see money from diesel. Can't sit on the rims unless they over 21 and legal. I'm the same nigga, 106 and pop retire. Smack the world with more hits than Mark McGuire. How you think I stay fly in them different vases? When I cop five bins, it's all different classes. Shaggy play hoes like music chairs. Only if they suck dick and swallow pubic hairs. So get it right before you get it wrong. It's too bad me and haters don't get along. Already three albums done. I'ma change the game and go three off of volume one. I don't know how the public can feel. I ain't even signed yet. About to close up a publishing deal. Let's go. But I'm going to say this about the score. This one is done almost perfectly for every single moment in the movie. And when you tell me he's the dude that was working on Jaws, I'm like, oh, that's the done and man? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> you might be somebody that's real legit when it comes to scoring movies. Of course, my favorite score in the film of all time is Kill Bill. Okay. You know, and that's for obvious reasons. Shout out to the Rissa. And uh, that is because every moment is felt with the music. And it draws you in. But, of course, this this doesn't quite catch my attention, but it's definitely a very solid job. I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even thought about the, a movie score before. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm watching the movie, I know I will think of the songs that I thought would be would be perfect in that moment as opposed to what music they actually used. For example, when I was watching Endgame, I remember for that final battle, for whatever reason, I was thinking living on a prayer should be the song that was playing (laughs) in that final battle. I was like, oh, man, that would be hot right here, you know, just have it going in like that. Now, so I can't give you a favorite score, but um, in terms of this movie, I thought the music was really, did really well with all the moments. It got intense when it was supposed to get intense. It fit. Mm -hmm. Did anything in, in particular jump out at me and stick with me? No, you know, but that kind of, I guess that kind of goes along with what I was saying at the beginning of the, of the episode, you know. Yeah. Not really a score man. Yeah, Sorry, not really man. a score man, a Jurassic man, any of that. <laughs> <laughs> damn that music, damn them dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> left them motherfuckers like, extinct like they were supposed to be. They said, where are the jams? Like, this, this shit ain't got no jams in it at all. <laughs> That's what it is, though, man. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into it a little bit. So what about that beginning? They start off hot trying to transport a dinosaur 
and he ended up killing the motherfucker. For the life of me, I was trying to figure out y'all got this lethal killing machine inside this this uh tube or whatever they had him in, right? And the only thing y'all had to subdue it if it got loose was some stun guns, basically. Like that's that's what that was their big protection plan. I was mm -hmm. like, it started out. It was a good start because I guess you had to create something to be like, okay, show the potential of what can happen if these things get loose. So you're kind of setting the stage. So I get it, you know, but I, I feel like I didn't like the idea of I'm going to subdue this, this massive beast with like a little electrical stick, just a stun gun, you know, because I feel like if I was the employee, I would, I'd be like, F you, I'm not going. This paycheck ain't worth all that, <laughs> you know? So that, that's honestly the part that stuck, stuck out at me. And it's probably because I'm think I'm looking at it with my adult brain. I'm like, all money ain't good money, and that's how I look at situations. <laughs> you know, so I guess I I kept I couldn't help looking at it with a more critical eye from that regard. I'll say real quick, it's it was enough to get me interested to watch the rest of the movie because, like you said, it jumps off. Brother gets eight within the first four minutes. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And anytime you know that happens, it's 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 bound to be some more carnage. And little did we know he wouldn't be the only brother to die at the movie. Definitely something like like Derek said. It was it's like there's a few oversights in the job procedures. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if OSHA was contacted to make sure everything was right uh, in this workplace environment. I mean, bro, like wild animals. You know, mm -hmm. let's you know let's talk let's talk about wild animals. They ain't dinosaurs. You know. You just got a little bit more going on. You know, people with some rifles, you know, all type of things. It, it, it really wasn't set up for them guys. But as far as the movie goes, it's, I think it's necessary because the way the movie is paced at the beginning, you probably fall asleep if you didn't have anything to worry about. And I'm not, and Sean, you might be actually a little bit more familiar. Like, is that like a staple of Steven Spielberg movies? Like the setup? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That It felt a little formulaic, but because I'm not the biggest Spielberg fan, I couldn't really attest to that. Yeah. So that that's just perfect to bring that up. If you do, especially those franchise movies, Steven Spielberg will throw out something at the beginning to get you hooked because you're right if that scene doesn't happen then how does the rest of the movie transpire like you needed something like that to pop off just to get that group of people to the island like they're going to the island because this dude got ate up now there's concerns that this part might not be safe uh. which you know i don't know who the hell want to go to an island a secluded island with with dinosaurs let's talk about sam jackson a little bit he played the chain smoker though. <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> my man didn't look like he took two puffs but it was hanging out his mouth the whole time the whole time definitely <laughs> looked like he was <laughs> hanging off the lip definitely look like he could change your radiator <laughs> <laughs> i always thought his exit from the film it didn't sit right with me yeah the hand Chilling. <laughs> and he gone. But what I found out is that Sam Jackson was supposed to fly in from Hawaii to film the death scene, but there was a hurricane that destroyed the set and the scene had to be scrapped. 
Mm. So instead of that, so he couldn't fly in. And since he wasn't able to fly in and he had to, you know, get rid of that scene, they just came out, came up with the with the arm bit. I mean, they couldn't do that on the soundstage <laughs> in the L.A. Like maybe maybe I'm just thinking of like 2020. Like they could have definitely done that, but that's it was a little lazy, you know. Yeah. Cause it just it just showed up, oh, you're back. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, man. But yeah, I, okay. I, we'll we'll give him a it was ninety three. Yeah. We'll give him a pass. Yeah. Know? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about in regards to the movie versus the actual book. So a lot of differences. The first thing I want to talk about is the character of John Hammond. So before I get into what the book has John Hammond depicted as, I want to toss it to you guys and kind of get your insight on what you thought of that character of John Hammond, the happy-go-lucky uh, naive grandpa who wants to bring a little kid to a dinosaur island to get chomped up. I found them likable, but annoying. Like, I didn't necessarily have the biggest problem with him as a character. I had a problem with his ambition. Mm. You know, his his uh, end goal. You know, uh, I think it was Jeff Goldblum's character, Ian, Ian Malcolm, who asked yeah. him, like, you shouldn't be asking if you can. The question is, should you? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the same thought process that I would have. Yeah, it would be really cool to, to see all these dinosaurs and all that stuff. But should you bring them back? I mean, they would easily, if they ever got loose, they would dominate the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't be able to run around like we do now if they were still here. So why would you risk bringing that back? So that was my only that was my only problem with him was his ambition, not necessarily him as a character. As the character, I liked him because he wanted to build something to bring everyone together. And I liked one of the lines he talked about. I think his assistant was saying, yeah, we could charge people $10,000 a ticket, make it something for exclusive for the wealthy. And he's like, no, this is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, we're going to have everybody coming up in here. I'm not just going to make this something exclusive. So he wanted to do something great. So he was, he was a good character to me. Just his ambition. It was blind ambition. That was, that was his problem. What the hell do you think you're doing in here? We were saving that. But today, I guarantee it. Who in God's name do you think you are? John Hammond. And I'm delighted to meet you finally in person, Dr. Grant. Still, I can see that my uh, 50,000 a year has been well spent. Okay, who's the jerk? Uh, This is our paleobotanist, Dr. Sattler. Sattler. Uh Ellie, this is uh, Mr. Hammond. I'm sorry about the dramatic entrance, Dr. Sattler, but uh, I'm in a bit of a hurry. (laughs) Will you have a drink? Uh, We won't let it get warm. Come along, sit down, sit down. Oh, um, I'll just get a glass or two. No, 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 no. I can manage this. I know my way around the kitchen. Now, I'll get right to the point. Um, I like you. Both of you. I can tell instantly about people. It's a gift. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. I've leased it from the government and I've spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. Really spectacular, spared no expense. Make the one I've got down in Kenya look like a petting zoo. <laughs> and there's no doubt our attractions will drive kids out of their minds. 
What are those? Small versions of adults, honey. And not just kids, everyone. We're going to open next year. That is if the lawyers don't kill me first. I, I don't care for lawyers. Do you? Oh, well, oh we, uh... I don't, don't really know any. Well, I do, I'm afraid. There's a particular pebble in my shoe represents my investors. Says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, your kind, not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. And if I could just persuade you to sign off on the park, you know, get your endorsement, maybe even pen a, a wee testimonial, I could get back on schedule. Uh, schedule. Why would they care what we think? What kind of park is this? It's right up your alley. I tell you what, why don't you come down, just the pair of you, for the weekend? I'd love to have an opinion of a paleobotanist as well. <laughs> I've got a jet standing by a Choco. Oh, I'm sorry, this is depressing passport. Yeah, this is a... Yeah. We just dug up a new skeleton. Right. Well, I could compensate you by fully funding your dig. And this is a very unusual time. For a further three years. Where's the plane? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that kind of goes in line with how I see it. You know, not really having like a clear direction of how this is supposed to go. You know, he just kind of had this very, you know, wonderland type of outlook on how this could go. You know, all this perfect stuff. You know, you like you're not even considering anything being corrupted. Mm -hmm. You just like you took everybody for granted. You think this tech dude is on your side and he's just, you know, gonna work your computer systems and you don't have to worry about a thing. And you just trust everybody blindly. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just proven across the board. It's like, bro, you're you're just gonna trust that these dinosaurs are just gonna always act right. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's this just not a good thing to do. But his like you know, his humanity, I did admire. Um, I did like the thought process of how he wanted things to go and, you know, having his kids, his grandkids there and all that good stuff. Like, I, I could appreciate that humanity. But, you know, I just coming from where I come from, I, I, I just don't trust a dude like that, bro. It's just, I can't get down. <laughs> That's real. So the movie depicts John Hammond as this little crazy, naive grandpa just trying to do whatever he can to get the park open. But the actual novel, John Hammond in the book is a little darker than that. Okay. He's okay. Like, like, he's literally like a psychopath. Like, this man, you know, and I can see the parallels between the two because there's some similar thinking. Like, we, we get the one in the in the movie that's kind of naive to what the consequence of having dinosaurs back on Earth. Naive to it completely. Mm. But in the book, you just got this person who don't care. The author was quoted, and the name of the author is Michael Christian. He intended John Hammond to be like a dark Walt Disney. You see that. And you know what? I'm Not to cut you off, but like when you say that, that's kind of what I want from him because it makes the movie much more interesting. Like somebody who is at the top of this groundbreaking research and discoveries and he's got a little narcissistic streak and he believes he's always right. And 
I don't care what the consequences. This is the most groundbreaking thing ever. I don't care who gets killed. Like, we are going to get these dinosaurs on Earth. Like, that would have been a little bit more jarring and it wanted me to, like, almost see him like a real villain mm-hmm. of, you know, people surviving this part. But they didn't do that. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, man. I, let me get that wound for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just soft and cuddly, bro. <laughs> it ain't nothing, nothing sinister. I, I remember now that you mentioned the Walt Disney, the dark Walt Disney thing. I think at some point in the movie, he does make reference to Disney World, where he's mm-hmm. like, they when they first opened, they had some kind of mistakes. All nothing types worked. of problems. Yeah. yeah, all types of problems. So I guess they make that connection somewhere just to drop that, since that was the writer's initial intention, right? But I do think they tried. They made the effort to try to paint him as somewhat of a mad scientist, where after everything goes to hell, he now starts talking about, no, well, next time, you know, we'll be able to do this. And he's already thinking about how I'm going to rebuild this and make it better, as opposed to how many people just got ate alive, eaten alive mm-hmm. by these damn monsters. You know, so they, they do try to they try to get some mad scientists. But I agree. They don't really succeed in painting him as a villain. If that was the goal, I don't think they, they were ever really painting him as a villain. Yeah, I think that was the complete shift. You know, Steven Spielberg and the writers of the film, you know, they weren't trying to paint him as a villain. Still trying to drop some of those characteristics from the book in there. But to one of the points that you made earlier, Derek, about him commenting that he wanted everybody to have access to this part. Well, in the book, it's the complete opposite. In the book, he's the one that says he wants this to be for the elite for the people who can afford the experience. And in the book, there's no revelation. Like like CL said, you know, he he's he's trying to make it work, trying to make it work despite everything that's going on. In the book, he has no no revelation to that. You know, there's no point where he comes to realize that this is not going to work. Y'all remember at the end of the film where uh what's his name? Uh, Alan, Alan Grant. Alan, yeah. Alan says you know, I don't endorse your part. And John says, I don't either. There's no point in the book that John Hammond has that revelation because John Hammond get killed <laughs> in the book. Mm. John Hammond in the film is the only character who does not have an interaction with a dinosaur once the part goes haywire. I noticed that. I'm like, you was really safe the whole <laughs> Real time. Real safe. His grandkids out there struggling, running for <laughs> life. And my man is in the cafeteria eating up all the ice cream. <laughs> That's what money will do for you. Spare it no expense, like he said. All adventurous guests, of course, can opt for our jungle river cruise or for a close-up look at our majestic... None of these attractions are ready yet, of course, but the park will open with the basic tour you're about to take. And then other rides will come online six or 12 months after that. Absolutely spectacular design. Spared no expense. And we can charge anything we want, 2000 a day, 10000 a day, and people will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. I can personally Donald, Donald, this park was not built to cater only for the super rich. Everyone in the world has the right to enjoy these animals. Sure, they will. I mean, what, we'll have a, a coupon day or something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even 
seen the part no, in the field. Donald, 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 let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear a viewpoint. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may, um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. Well, I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Condors. Condors are on the verge of extinction. If oh, I wish to, could no. not know, if I wish to create a flock of condors on this island, you wouldn't have anything to say. No, hold on. This isn't, this isn't some species that was obliterated by deforestation or, or the building of a dam. Dinosaurs uh, uh, had their shot and nature selected them for extinction. I simply don't understand this Luddite attitude, especially from a scientist. I mean, how can we stand in the light of discovery and, and not act? Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores, what you call discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. Well, the question is, how can you know anything about an extinct ecosystem? And therefore, how could you ever assume that you can control it? When you have plants in this building that are poisonous, you pick them because they look good. But these are aggressive living things that have no idea what century they're in, and they'll defend themselves violently if necessary. Dr. Grant, if there's one person here who could appreciate what I'm trying to do... The world has just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea what to expect? I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters, and the only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. So, I want to talk about that character of Dennis Nedry, the security dude who portrays part. So, there's a whole part in the book where that character of Dennis doesn't even work for Jurassic Park. He's somebody that John Hammond has contracted to build the park security system and John Hammond actually cheats Dennis on his pay and Dennis tried to sue but Hammond created like a spear campaign allowing him to make Dennis lose some customers so Dennis was forced to work for Hammond for a fraction of his pay and that's the reason why Dennis made that plan to steal the sell off to another competitor. Mm. So in the end 
doing my research, the filmmakers, they didn't want, they wanted to create, well, excuse me, they didn't want to create that sympathy for Dennis since they were already changing the character of John Hammond. Right. There was no need for the sympathy. That, that actually makes a little bit of a, more sense. Shout out to one Mr. B.D. Wong, <laughs> a.k.a. White Rose, for all my <laughs> Mr. Robot fans out there. Um, Can't forget and, about SVU. And I'm about to say also Dr. George Hong on SVU, but I like him as White Rose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, even though he's throwing the wig and act like a politician, he is ruthless <laughs> on that show. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. And he's... You know, when I actually think about actors, sometimes I always kind of get, I was like, damn, why do I see you so much? And I'm like, damn, bro, you've been in Jurassic Park. You were two of my favorite TV shows from this from this side of the 2000s. Also, like, you both Mulans. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this dude has, he gets checks. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at all the stuff that he's involved in, it's a check. Like, syndicated, through the roof check. So shout out to B.D. Wong for knowing how to be in the right place at the right time. And they cut his part. He was supposed to be in more of the movie than that. Well, they did bring him back in the, in yeah. the later movies, as I'm seeing. And, and he's, he's ruthless. Also, he ruthless in it, too. And I love it. I might have to go watch it now. Yeah, um, he ruthless. For me, there was one guy who kept jumping out at him. And I couldn't look take him seriously in his role just because I look at him differently. Now, I've seen a couple of episodes of Seinfeld. I ain't watched the whole show. <laughs> but the security dude, every time I saw him, I would just see Jerry Seinfeld talk about Newman. Yeah. Like, that's, that's literally all I would think of when I would see him. Like, I would just think of Jerry saying Newman. But that character of Dennis is, that character of Dennis is really unintentionally funny throughout the entire movie. Even from his first scene where he's trying to plot with the dude. Until his demise, like how you gonna shit talk dinosaurs, huh? Yeah, trying to shit talk a dinosaur and end up getting his ass whooped. Oh, oh, you a smart one, huh? Yeah, (laughs) like the fuck out of here. (laughs) So to go back on to B. Wong, his part in the movie was supposed to be a little bit more substantial, and they ended up cutting a lot of it to you really only see him in that one scene. But if you haven't seen, if you're a fan of him, his character, and you haven't seen Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom, I say it's worth the watch because I don't know what, I don't know what perception that you have of his character after you see him in Jurassic Park. But he seems like, you know, just an everyday scientist helping John and the crew manufacture this park. But when you get to Jurassic World, it's a whole nother story. Like, he's still helping, but my man plotting, too. I might have to get that a look now, because he does good work. You might not tell in Jurassic World, but when it gets to Fallen Kingdom, you know that he's one of the bad guys, which I love. Hey, honey. Oh, good day, sir. It's turning the eggs. Oh, God. Oh, perfect timing. I'd hoped they'd hatch before I had to go to the boat. Henry, 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 why didn't you tell me? I insist on being here when they're born. Come on. 
come on come on little one come on <laughs> come on come on little one come on come on then come on then very good push push very oh, good God. push come on Come on, <laughs> come on then. There you are. There you are. There. They imprint on the first creature they come in contact with. That's it. Helps them to trust me. I've been present for the birth of every little creature on this island. <laughs> Surely not the ones that have bred in the in the wilds. Yeah. Actually, they can't breed in the yeah. wild. The population control is one of our security precautions. There's no unauthorized breeding in Jurassic Park. Wow. <laughs> and how do you know they can't breed? Well, because all the animals in Jurassic Park are female. Oh. We've engineered them that way. But, um, again, how do you know they're all female? Has somebody yeah. go out in the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. Yeah. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Now, okay, just to make sure I got my movies right, Jurassic World is the last one, the one that came out that has Star-Lord in it? He was in, but <laughs> I love the fact that you called him Star-Lord. How about Chris, Chris Pratt? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, uh, Star Lord. Uh, we gonna call him Star Lord. Star Lord. Yo, he's Star Lord to me, damn it. That's, like, <laughs> that, that's just what it is. He's Star Lord to me. You know, hold on, bro. You know what's funny though? Because I still look at him as like from bro from Parks and Rec. Yeah, like that's where I know him from. So I, I, I go a little bit farther back with Chris Pratt. So he, he was in, he was in both. He was in Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World was first. Fallen Kingdom was second. Okay, so he was the. So I remember seeing him then. I was wondering while I was looking at the cast of characters if that's the same dude or not. Mm -hmm. But based on his how things went down in the first movie, I could see why he would be more of a nefarious character later on because he was the unassuming scientist. He was just trying to achieve this this amazing breakthrough. That's what scientists do. They try to break through shit, whether they mm -hmm. should or they shouldn't. And because of an era that wasn't his own, things got jacked up. So I could see why he would try to assert more control later on in the series. Like, nah, I'm going to be the H and I see around here. I'm controlling this. Everything's going to run through me. So I get the evolution of his character from unassuming, naive scientist to evil mastermind, so to speak. So I'm going I'm to I'm butt in a little bit and just ask this question that I've been wondering since this movie came out. What the fuck happened to all those people who were in that laboratory? <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> bro, yo, I, I'm not going to lie, bro. 
that was one of the things that kind of bothered me while I was getting to the end of the movie. I was just like, was there like an evacuation of some sort? Like, is there a raft? Like, where did everybody go? Like, because it was like, they was on a whole tour. Yeah. And we saw like all these people and then they went down. They didn't see nobody. Mm-hmm. Maybe they was off work. Maybe it was the weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I was under the assumption that they left because they did have the thing with the boat when they tried to start with all the danger, right? They said last boat's leaving at having much time. So I okay. just assumed okay. that everybody got on the boat because that's why uh, Newman, I can't remember his damn character name now. That, that's why. <laughs> that's why <laughs> God damn it. What's his character name? Uh, Dennis. Uh, De- Dennis. Okay. That's why Dennis was over there. Um, you know, going crazy and frantic because he knew he had to get over to the docks to do his deal by the boat. But it was like, all right, the boat's taking off. The boat's taking off. So I think all the employees, that's their out. They got on okay. the boat or they got eaten. It's one or the other. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I, I too can buy that. But even the flaw in that for me is that why just those people are the only people that's still on the island? I don't think they were essential to the tour that the grandfather was trying to give. Because remember, he's just trying to sell these two archaeologists and then whatever mm-hmm. Ian is supposed to be, animal behavioral specialist or something. He's just trying to sell those three on co-signing his, his island. So he doesn't need the scientists who are strictly there to keep on doing their work on the embryos and blah, blah, blah. My thought process, especially as we get further in the movie, is that you would need somebody like that to help convince them because we all know watching this movie, John Hammond don't know shit about no dinosaurs. He don't. He just doesn't. Science. You know, but even Malcolm called him out, you know, life finds a way. And then as we're going through this chaos, we actually see that life found the damn way. We were told that all the all the dinosaurs on the park were female and they couldn't uh, reproduce on their own. Well, so these dinosaur eggs, bro. Mm. I, I, I guess I'm putting myself in John Hammond's shoes. He knows enough information maybe to sell the average person. But if you're bringing mathematicians and paleontologists to the island, I figured that you want some more knowledgeable folks to help understand what's going on. I like that. I thought it was really slick the way they played in that tiny detail about the, was it Australian frog? One of them was some type yeah. of frog in an asexual environment will change its sex to be able to reproduce on its own or something like that. And mm. that happened to be the frog DNA that they used. I thought that was a perfect little detail to be able to explain it and make it all make sense. So that you can't look at it like, nah, where the eggs come from, bro? They were stashing the dude somewhere. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. So it was slick the way they put that in there. Yeah, that that definitely did. That was definitely needed. Now, I I was under the assumption that something was going to happen with the embryos. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as he went to go grab them, I thought chaos was going to happen with the embryos. Not really anticipating that the dinosaurs might evolve. And I think that was kind of the thing that, John Hammond did not really consider. It's like, you're bringing them back, but like, what is the next step for mm-hmm. these dinosaurs? Like, they're they're going to evolve. And, of course, that's what we see happen, man. They should all be destroyed. <laughs> Robert, Robert Muldoon, my game warden from Kenya. Bit of an alarmist, I'm afraid, but knows more about raptors than anyone. What kind of metabolism do they have? What's their growth rate? They're lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. I'm hunting most things that can hunt you, but the way these things move... As fast for a bypass? 
cheetah speed. 50, 60 miles per hour if they ever got out in the open. And they're astonishing jumpers. Yes, 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 yes. And that's why we're taking extreme precautions. The viewing area... Do they show intelligence? Well, With the brain cavity. They show extreme intelligence. Even problem-solving intelligence. Especially the big one. We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all but two of the others. That one... When she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That's why we have to feed them like this. She had them all attacking the fences when the feeders came. Well, the fences are electrified, though, right? That's right, but they never attacked the same place twice. They were testing the fences for weaknesses, systematically. They remember. Oh, man, boy, meat-eating dinosaurs. <laughs> Back to life. <laughs> In Carnivore, the 90s. <laughs> Carnivores, man. Like, like, would it made more sense for him to just bring back plant-eating dinosaurs? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't help but think about trying to put myself in the place of that bull. That first bull that got dropped in there. <laughs> you know, bull, <laughs> like, bulls think they bad as a motherfucker, don't they? Like, right. They, just, yes. they think they bad as all hell, right? And then oh. and they always mad as shit when they gotta be in the... <laughs> you probably see that big joint was like, oh shit. <laughs> he started, milk started coming out of every order. <laughs> He's like, oh. <laughs> like, the panic that he must have gone through. <laughs> but look, man, he didn't go through that panic long because <laughs> that was a quick out of here. That was a quick out of here. Speaking of deaths, what was your favorite death moment? That's a weird question to ask, but I don't give a fuck. It happens. I mean, once we do scary movies, it's gonna come up. It's like, what's your favorite Jason killing? Like, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna come up. I thought dude on the toilet was kind Thank of. Thank you. <laughs> yep. That is the I'm one. Si I was sitting there like, yo, how'd all the rest of this stuff fall down? But this toilet was the, <laughs> it's the one thing that withstood the path, the force of the Sam dinosaur. Bro, they said they spared no expense, man. They got them sturdy toilets. Safest place on the island. Huh? Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. 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 That that is the correct answer. That 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 was the absolute correct answer. You you could probably throw your your man Newman. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like him as a number two. <laughs> like him just you know shit talking the dinosaur. Like oh you was a smart one and all that shit. Just it was hilarious. I was mm -hmm. like because you really think you out here on the playing field, bro? And looked at him dead in. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about the end of the movie a little bit. They're back at the visitor center. Grant's out there looking for Sadler. They lead the kids inside. Kids ends up getting chased by raptors in the kitchen. Power's back on. Hammond calls for help. Still running from the raptors. They ended up getting trapped. And here comes Spielberg's star of the movie to save the day. T-Rex chomps on the raptors to save the day, allowing the others to escape. That's when Hammond arrives in the Jeep with Malcolm, say, I can't endorse your park, and they're out. One difference between the film and the book is that once that scene happens in the book, not only does helicopters come to save the survivor, but there's also some other helicopters that come as well, and they drop bombs on the damn island. Mm. Damn, you really don't have to worry about them lab workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yo, that's, yeah. this was, this was, the, the ending was very tidy. You mm -hmm. know, it was real clean. Not a lot of guesswork or speculation. Not even anything real sad. You know, Spielberg doesn't really pull at your heartstrings. You know, no big characters got killed. None of it. 
like the kids got killed, like nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody made it, got out of there. But I will say this. I do not appreciate the fact that the T-Rex is in the movie like for eight seconds. Everybody knows when you talk about dinosaurs, who you want to see. You want to see the T-Rex. Why are you teasing us, Steven? Why you did that? You know, and I, I get it because you want to come in for the big bites. All right, that's cool. But I would have liked to see somebody running from a T-Rex. I would have appreciated that. Well, the part that stood out to me was, I guess, right before the, the actual ending when uh, the two kids were trapped in the kitchen. And I kept feel I felt like that would have been my my type of look. You know, I'm in the kitchen like this super heavy doors. Ain't no way that thing getting in here. Lo and behold, this damn thing knows how to open doors now. Mm. Not smash them. It's turning doorknobs. It's pulling that little jiggle handle thing. Just not even snapping it off. Just gently just, oh, excuse me. Let me pull open this door right quick. That would have been my luck. So, so that's what caught me right there. That was it. How all of a sudden they just were super smart. It wasn't that they learned. Because the impression I got from the, the archaeologist guy was that they learned really quickly. But how could mm-hmm. they learn that quickly to open all these doors when they hadn't encountered doors before that? You know, at least them types of doors. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a question I had, but. I would have expected them to at least like hit the door a few mm-hmm. times before trying to just open it. It was like they were they were a little too smart for me. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like y'all look like some trained dinosaurs. Like did y'all go to dinosaur camp and learn these tricks <laughs> type shit? <laughs> but I kind of just like whatever. It's a movie. Just let it go. Just let it go. See. So yeah, I I I felt some type of way on that as well. Thoughts about a movie like this coming out in the early 90s? For its time, I think is they did the best that they could for the time. Because it could have looked really cheesy. Because you know how sometimes you look back at these early 90s, late 80s movies, and it looks like somebody was holding up an action figure, you know, and just, <laughs> <laughs> and just bouncing along. You know, you see like it turns into little toys, pew, pew, having a fight or something. So it could have looked really bad. So all things considered, it was probably ahead of its time. You know, when you factor in the graphics and everything, how much that would have actually cost, like see, I was talking about earlier in 93. Now it's probably nothing, you know, mm-hmm. they can do all that stuff with graphics. But back then, that was probably amazing. Yeah, it, I, I could kind of remember at the time people talking about the stuff because it's basically like the ramp up from after Jaws. Because Jaws was like the first time where they kind of experimented with, I guess, the animatronics where they tried to make something look real and make it mechanical instead of trying to just digitally impose it uh, on the film or like with green screen. And so I can really appreciate the effort that they did make because like some parts of it, you can really feel like it moving like a dinosaur. You know, other parts you can kind of tell like this is some, you know, prehistoric type feeling shit when it comes to technology because if you look at it now it's like bro this them they 3d printing dinosaurs you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying for back then it's like you can do you you only could deal with what you had so i i can commend it but it really just feels like one of these joints where steven spielberg just couldn't do no wrong the studio was cool with him doing what he wanted to do they gave him the budget they didn't mind paying anything and everything he wanted because he's shown the past success. But I will just say that pushing the culture forward of filmmaking um, and what's possible, it definitely is like an earmark 
in the early 90s. There were only 15 minutes of total dinosaur footage in the film. Breaking it down, nine minutes of that 15 minutes were animatronics and six minutes of it was CGI. So definitely for the 90s, it's pretty decent. This is crazy. Think about it, man. Like we have come a long way when it comes to like CGI and fake things in movies. Like, mm-hmm. I think this should be a go- more of a gory series because the potential when you put the violence in there from the dinosaurs, they don't necessarily show you the potential. Like you, you know it because you you can imagine uh, uh, something that damn big and strong. You know what it could do. But if they actually put it on the screen in front of you and just took that that R rating or whatever the case may be, I feel like it could have been even better, at least for me personally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a classic film. A lot of people love it. But it would have been more memorable to me if I had the images probably of them dinosaurs just going at it, fighting each other like they would have back then, fighting over food, just being dinosaurs, doing dinosaur mm-hmm. shit. Like, you, know? you don't really see death. Like, we see it, but... We don't see it, if that makes sense. Like, we were it's going more, back. Yeah. yeah like, know, it's not a lot of blood squirting. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. a lot of not a parts flying. Like, nothing. All right, cool. So, let's go ahead, get up out of here, rake this film. Y'all know how we do it. If we love the film, we give it an Image Award. Feel it was good. Give it a Soul Train Award. So-so, an all right film. Gets a Source Award. Or... If we're going out like homie in the toilet, we'll give it a BET award. <laughs> so I'll kick it over to you first, CL. What you got for Jurassic Park? I'm going to have to give Jurassic Park a source award. Not something that I'm going to be going back to anytime soon. Not really something that is, I guess, like a must watch even for like my kids. Like I probably could get them caught up with the new ones and they'll be just fine. Like, you didn't miss much. Um, But, you know, it has some decent things that I could pull from it. And it wasn't outright terrible. So, you know, Source Award it is. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm going Source Award. And that's because, you know, as I've mentioned before, like, I look, I grade things based on how many times can I watch it before I get tired. And while I was watching this, I kept on checking the timer on the thing. How much time is left in this? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for this damn thing to be over. And it's not that it's a bad movie. It just just doesn't sit well with me. So I'm going uh, Soul Train Award. I'm going to kick it up a notch and give it a Soul Train Award based off just some moments and some quotables. Y'all know we've been through this enough so far where I think we're all fans of quotables. And there's just moments, just different scenes, you know, just that welcome to Jurassic Park uh, moment or that hold on to your butts or life finds a way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so many quotables that I have for the movie and some good spots as well. I like the carnage of it, but, you know, it wouldn't be top tier for me because of what we just said a few minutes ago, because I felt a lot was left out. I feel like Jurassic Park is a good movie, but there was a lot left on the table. Like, this movie should have been better than it was. should have been a little darker than it was. Hey, real quick, before you before we bounce. Shout out to that other raptor who went in for his homeboy when the T-Rex ate him. Because if you see right. him look at that raptor, <laughs> he was like, not my homie. <laughs> he just went running in there. 
<laughs> like he literally took a step back and yeah. looked like he was shocked that his boy just got eaten. <laughs> and then we're running in there like, nah, you finna have to take both of us. Hey, yo, what's happening? What it do, folk? What up, though? It's your homie CL. And I hope you are enjoying this episode of the Madcap Movie Review Podcast. And if you like how I talk on here and how I get down, then I definitely think you're going to enjoy the Rundown South Podcast. Gotta know that. Well, you can hear me give my opinions on anything and everything that's got to do with the culture out here. You know what I'm saying? So not only do I do that, I also kick it with some of your favorite creatives and even some what I like to call everyday stars. And we touch on a lot of subjects from music, movies, TV, get into some of the personal things we got going on. And I even like to talk a little business. So every time you turn on the Rundown South podcast, it might be something a little bit different every week. You can look for an episode at least once every Friday, but sometimes I get a little busy and drop a couple here and there. We are based in Atlanta, so it's got a real Southern feel if you couldn't tell by now. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to what I'm talking about. So if you want to get more about the Rundown South podcast, go over to darundown.com. Gotta know that. And you can find it every single time we drop one. And now let's get back to the Mad Cat Movie Review Podcast. Okay, so for the first time on the Madcap Movie Review, we had a little unrest. We gave out our first Source Awards this week. Let's see what happens next week as we travel three years down the road to the late fall of 1996. We're going to be talking about Queen Latifah's first leading role in a feature film, director F. Gary Gray's second feature film, set it off can't wait to jump into that as always remember to subscribe rate and review the show you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast follow the madcap review on twitter and instagram at madcap pod and go ahead give us a like over on our facebook page for cl for Derek, this is your boy sean we'll see you next week for that set it off review peace Let's do it.
nigga, we ain't robbing stagecoaches. I need something I can set it off with. Set it off? I can't believe y'all doing this. I ain't feeling this, Frankie. This ain't right. Okay. Don't make me get ugly up in here, ladies and gentlemen. Please do not be misled by the fact that these four bandits are females. These girls are the real deal. I say we hit downtown federal. Y'all can't be serious. We just taken away from the system that's doing us all anyway. Eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your on your dinosaur tour, right? Hello. Hello. Yes. I really hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> 